You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Good morning, Path to Purpose peeps. I am live here today on Tuesday. It's Facebook Live Tuesday. And I'm here today by myself. We've been doing a lot of really cool things here on our Facebook Lives on Tuesday. We've been doing coachings. We've been having some Emerge alumni on. But today I'm super excited. I wanted my team to put some time here on my schedule just to come in and talk to you guys about the gospel and just just teach a little bit on just some of my favorite topics. And one of the topics today is going to be a topic of a future book that I am really behind (laughs) in, in writing. I need to get this sucker done. on the topic of detoxing from religion. And I don't know what I'm going to call the book. It may be like spiritual detox. I don't know exactly. But this is something that I really feel is happening, honestly, across the globe right now. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this massive conspiracy. I know we talk about a lot of conspiracies here in America, but I think this is the conspiracy of the Holy Spirit to detox his, Jesus's body from the toxicity of religion. Now, when I say the word religion, a lot of people get confused about what that word really means, because most people think they're not religious. Most people think, well, I know Jesus, I'm in a relationship with Jesus, and they think about religion as a one side of the extreme, and then the other side of the extreme over here is relationship. So they compare and contrast religion and relationship with Jesus. And if they have a relationship with Jesus and they feel like, oh, I'm not religious. But I want to challenge that a little bit today with a different definition of religion. And I want to propose that religion is, in fact, simply defined as separation from God. Now, bear with me a little bit as we jump into this teaching today, but the gospel is the announcement of death of an independent self. It is the announcement that you and I no longer exist apart from Christ. And I don't know if you were like me, but growing up in a denominational background, this is not the way the gospel was presented to me. It was presented to me as Shalice in this. I mean, I was very young. I was in preschool uh, and it was presented as you are a sinner. You need uh, Jesus so that you don't go to hell uh, after you die. And when you uh, accept Jesus into your heart, well, he comes to live inside of you. And when you die, you go to heaven. And that was the way the gospel was presented to me as a child. And frankly, it's the way the gospel is presented in most circles, in most denominational circles, in most evangelical circles today. But what I want to propose to you is that the gospel is way better news than what we have been told. And that that, that the true gospel, the true uh, message that the cross announces is that you and I have no identity anymore apart from Christ. So let me hop off today in a scripture that I want to share with you guys. And this is, you know, a popular scripture. You probably already know it. It's Galatians 2.20. 
but I want to read it out of the mirror translation. And if you guys do not have a copy of the mirror translation or not familiar with the mirror translation, I very highly recommend that you get your copy. Uh, it's a translation by Francis Dutrois. And I actually have the app on my phone. It's a little mirror Bible app and it gets the the latest version of that translation on your phone. And so I'm going to read it today to you out of the mirror translation. Now, the traditional translation of this is, you know, from the King James and most other translations says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, um, but Christ lives in me. Okay, but let me read it to you in the mirror translations. Here's what it says. It says, so here I am, dead and alive at the same time. I'm dead to the old me I was trying to be, and alive to the real me, which is Christ in me, co-crucified, now co-alive. What a glorious entanglement. I was in him in his death, and now I discover that he is infused in me in my life. For the first time, I'm free to be me in my skin, immersed in his faith in our joint sonship. He loves me and believes in me, he is God's gift to me. And so I love this particular translation because it really brings out this concept that we have been co-crucified with Christ. <clears throat> if you've never heard that before, that you've been co-crucified with Christ, or maybe you've read this scripture, but maybe you've never really just completely dived in to what this means about you, I want to talk about this today because what it means is that there is no more separation between you and God. And the problem with religion and the problem with separation from God is that we think of ourselves, you know, down here on earth and God is somewhere up here in heaven. And everything that religion tells us to do is about relating to a God that is outside of us. So there's this inherent deception, if you will, that somehow we are separate from God rather than being one with him. And that is at its core, the, the problem that Jesus came to solve on the cross. And so there is this co-identification with Jesus that our identity now has been entangled with. And there's so many scriptures, I mean, over 240 something times in, in the New Testament, this concept of us being one with God, us being united with him is, is presented throughout scripture. And when we don't have this, this co-crucified, this co-identity really nailed down in our theological foundation, then every other single doctrine that we we try to apply in our Christian life becomes a religious activity. And I know I'm saying this like, you know, kind of shocking today, or this may be come as news to you, but an, having an independent self is the nature of the enemy. It is the product of the fall. Independence is at its core, the definition of pride. It is making yourself out to be equal with God because God is the only self-existing entity. He is the self-existing one. He is the source of everything else and nothing exists apart from him. I mean, if you go into Colossians, let me, um, you know, I really encourage you guys to get the book of Colossians. It will wreck you. Uh, specifically in the Passion Translation, let me just go into like Colossians chapter one here and just read a little bit of this to you. 
but it talks about the preeminence of Jesus and just how far reaching what he accomplished on the cross actually is. So let me pull it up here in, well, my Bible app just stopped, of course. Let me pull it up, Colossians chapter one in the Passion Translation. So like I said, I, I really encourage you guys to go and just read this for yourself, but I want to be um, starting here in verse 15. So Colossians 1.15 in the Passion Translations, here's what it says, talking about Jesus. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, talking about Jesus, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen, all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority. It was all created through him and for his purpose. He, he existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. Listen to verse 19. For God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent restored to innocence again. Man, I love that phrase here in the Passion Translation that through Jesus, everything was reconciled, everything in heaven, everything in earth was brought back to himself and restored to its original intent and restored to innocence again. Let me read this last part in a different translation. Let me just go to maybe the amplified version here and let's go back down to that last part. It says here in Colossians chapter one, and here's what it says uh, in verse 18. It says, he is also the head, the life source and leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the first born from the dead so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything for it pleased the father for all of the fullness of deity, the sum of his total essence, all of his perfection, powers and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the son. And through the intervention of the son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross through him, whether things on earth or in heaven. So there's other translations of this, but basically what it's saying is that in Jesus, all things exist. And so there is nothing <clears throat> left that is separate from God. This is such a scandal. <laughs> the idea that Jesus has reconciled all things to himself is, a, is, is the announcement of there is no more separation from God. And then when you couple this with Galatians 2.20 and the concept that, he, that we have been co-crucified and co-identified with Jesus, this completely changes what we believe about ourselves, about our relationship with God, about our relationship, honestly, to all of creation. There is a completely different perspective. 
I want to, you know, go into Romans chapter six, because Romans chapter six is this, this like co-identified chapter. And I've heard people say like, you know, we need to spend like a year in Romans six till it sinks in, because this is a chapter that talks about how closely identified we are with Jesus, that Jesus just didn't die for us on the cross. He didn't just die for our sins. He didn't just forgive our sins on the cross, but he died as us. And that means that our old sin nature was crucified. It was nailed to the cross. This is why in in scriptures like Colossians, it talks about the ordinances that were written against us were nailed to the cross. Why? Because we were nailed to the cross. I get that we weren't alive yet. This is a mystical reality, but it is the gospel. And there is absolutely no separation from you and God left except in between our ears. Uh, If I had kept reading in Colossians chapter one, it talks about how we are alienated from God in our own minds, meaning we are separated from God in our own minds. It even talks about how the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus and we are in him. So the fullness of the Godhead is now dwelling in us. And, but the reality is, is that most of us don't have a consciousness of this. Most of us don't have an awareness of this. Most of us don't have teaching around this. And so we just live out of this reality that we are separate from God. And then what that means is that all of our Christian activities, because they are separated from God, all of our Bible study, all of our giving, all of our, you know, church attendance, even our worship in a sense is religious because we are doing it from a place of separation from God. So I hope I'm making sense here. So in Romans six, here's what it says. Let me get into a different translation. I'm going to read it in the passion just because it's an easy to understand version. And my goodness, don't we need to understand the gospel? Uh, Let's start in verse two. It says um, part B, I'll say we have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. How could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or haven't you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Verse six, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would no longer live one moment. We would know we would not continue to live one moment uh, longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. It says, for by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all, but now he lives continuously for the father's pleasure. 
So let it be the same way with you. Since you are joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Whoa, right? So this identification of you not having a self apart from Jesus, that the separation from God is the problem that Jesus came to solve on the cross is the best news ever. It is the best news ever. You know, there's another scripture that I love to read in Colossians chapter three, verse one. Let me just say, read it really quick. Verse chapter three, verse one in Colossians, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all of the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. Now, if you have not been writing down these scripture references, I really encourage you to go back and listen to this Facebook live again, write down these scripture references and read them over and over and over again. Spend some time marinating in your co-crucifixion, in your co-identification, in your co-resurrection with Jesus so that the illusion of separation from God is swallowed up by the truth of the victory of what Jesus has done for you, what he has done for everything in heaven, everything in earth, and that it is all now reconciled into himself and that you are now hidden inside of Christ. And what this means is so revolutionary. It means that we have got to get our focus off of sin. We, we have died to sin. We no longer exist. Our relationship with it has been severed. And sin consciousness is, a, is, is toxic. It is toxic. It is, it is meditating on what Jesus abolished in his body. And what we meditate on, we manifest. So if we want to meditate the fruits of our union with Jesus, well, let's abide. Let's abide and let's meditate on the reality of our oneness with Jesus. Your oneness with Jesus will revolutionize your relationship with God. It will revolutionize your relationship with yourself. You will no longer have to, to suffer under a poor self-image. Okay, this is, this is the foundation for loving God because it's such good news. You can't help but worship. It's the foundation for loving yourself because it is the epitome of pride and independence to think of yourself lower, for that matter, higher. But the point I'm saying is that for you to love yourself any less than the way Jesus loves you, the way the Father loves you, the way the Holy Spirit loves you, to you for you to reject yourself when you've been fully accepted, fully brought into the fellowship of the Godhead, the fellowship of the Trinity, that you are right smack dab, accepted in the beloved, accepted into the fellowship of perfect love. So for you to have a relationship with yourself that is anything less than unconditional is the epitome of religion. It is the epitome of separation from God. And then of course, when you realize that 
you love God and that you love yourself, well, guess how you're going to love other people? You can no longer look at people, even those that have yet to awaken to the reality of Christ in them, that have yet to hear the good news of what Jesus has done for all of creation, for all of humanity. Even though they haven't received it yet, even though they haven't believed it yet, you can't look at people anymore as outsiders. All you can be is a minister of reconciliation, just declaring the reconciliation of all things to Jesus. It makes you a lover of human beings that are worthy of the cross, that have been reconciled to the Father, and you can no longer operate in an us and them paradigm. And guess what's attractive? The good news. The good news is attractive. The reality of what Jesus has done for all of humanity while we were sinners, while we were alienated in our minds, while we didn't even know that we needed to be reconciled. Jesus did this without our permission and without our participation. He was crucified. He died once for all mankind. He died once. He was the propitiation of sin. He was the lamb that took away the sins of the whole world. And there's nothing left to do but to enjoy it, to believe it, and to experience it. And this is the detox, guys. This is the detox because separation is everywhere. It's in the world. It's in church. It is everywhere. Everyone is so sin conscious. Everyone is eating, for the most part, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and operating out of human judgment rather than just enjoying the bliss and enjoying the goodness of what it means to abide in Christ and live in this place of perfect union with him. And here's the beautiful thing about it. You didn't do anything to earn it and you can't do anything to deserve it or lose it because it's about Jesus. It's about the cross. And you were co-crucified really without your permission. You know, if you go into Romans chapter five, and I'm not going to take the time to read it right now. I've read a lot of scripture today. But if you go into Romans chapter five, it's this beautiful picture of this comparing and contrasting between the first Adam and the last Adam. It is comparing how all of mankind because of Adam's disobedience became subject to death and became subject to the curse and became subject to this, this blindness, if you will, uh, of who God is and, and how Jesus in the same way that Adam kind of cursed all of mankind through Jesus, God, Jesus has blessed all of mankind. You know, we didn't have a choice to be born in the first Adam. We didn't, we didn't eat the tree. We didn't, we didn't, you know, disobey God in the garden, but we inherited this sin nature, if you will, from Adam. But what God tells us through the gospel, what the Bible teaches us is that through Jesus, we have a new inheritance and the new inheritance is righteousness in Christ. It's the righteousness that comes through our identification with Jesus. And it is a free gift, just like you know, Adam's gift to us was death. <laughs> we, we didn't ask for it. We didn't have anything to do with it. Jesus's gift is life. And we didn't ask for it. And we didn't have anything to do with it. All that's left to do is believe it and enjoy it and share the good news with everyone. Here's the other thing that I really, you know, I come, across, I come after this a lot in my podcast. And I, I just want to talk about it too, because this is another just deception that has been, you know, just has been 
perpetuated in the Western church. It has been perpetuated in the way that we present the gospel, the way that we believe the gospel. And it's, uh, it's this idea that our origin is in Adam, that the original sin is our definition, that we were born in Adam. But, but the gospels teach us otherwise. In Ephesians, uh, specifically in that first chapter, the apostle Paul starts talking about how we were chosen to be in Christ. We were adopted by the father and placed in Christ before the foundation of the world that our origin, I call it original glory, is actually pre the fall. And so we were in Christ before we were in Adam. You know, this concept of the cross where Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world predates the fall. And so this has always been the father's intent to live in union with you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ in us is the hope of glory. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. If you read John chapter 14, Jesus is going on and on and on about his union with the Father and how in the Father's house, meaning in the Father's body, him, there are many dwelling places. The scriptures are meant to be the announcement of the end of religion, the announcement of the end of separation from God. And so beloved, everything that's left for us to do is just to abide. It's to hear the good news, to believe the good news, to put on Christ, right? And renew our minds, renew our minds to the truth of who we are, to our co-crucifixion, to our co-burial with Jesus, to our co-resurrection with Jesus, and our co-ascension with Jesus, which is why we're seated in heavenly places in Christ right now. We are, we are one. We are one, 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 because Jesus won. He won to make us one. And beloved, this is the most revolutionary shift. It is the most glorious announcement that the war is over. The war inside of yourself is over. The war with human beings is over. You know, that's why the angels came and said, goodwill on earth, right? And peace towards men. Jesus was the announcement of peace. He was, yes, he was the announcement of of the sword to the enemy, But peace, 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 peace. We can be reconciled with ourselves. We are reconciled with the Father. We can be reconciled with one another. We don't have to have hostility. We don't have to put divisions anymore. There's one new man. There is no more separation between Jew and Greek. There is no more male or female. There is just one. There is one baptism, one body, one spirit. And we have become one. And all that is left to do is wrap our little brains around this so that we can enjoy it and that we can experience it and that we can begin to operate in union with Jesus so that the glory of God is revealed. The Christ in you and I is revealed And the same works that Jesus did when he was in his physical body here on the earth and his ministry can continue because he's still working through you, through me, through our union with him. We aren't praying up to a God in heaven or just to to a God that is just up in heaven. We are up in heaven, seated in him on his throne. We have access to the mind of God. Why? Because he's in us. I love the, 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 the scripture in Second Corinthians. It says that we have the mind of Christ. Well, we have the, in, the, in a, another translation, it says we have the perceptions of Christ. 
We have wisdom. We have revelation. We have healing. We have wholeness. We have peace. We have joy. We have righteousness. We have kindness. We have gentleness. Ah. And our brains are the only thing that need to, to be caught. We need to, need to catch up. We need to be co-crucified in our minds. The image of separation from God needs to be destroyed in our minds. And it, we need to integrate. We need to integrate with Jesus at a subconscious level. We need to put on Christ every single day. We need to meditate on our union with Jesus. We need to take these scriptures and make them our, our own. We need to experience that. What does it mean to be co-crucified? What does it mean to be on the cross with Jesus? What does it mean that our, 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 our relationship with sin has been severed? What does it mean to live a resurrected life right now? This was the obsession of the apostle Paul. This is what people called him, would, would, would drive people to call him a madman. You know, probably one of my favorite scriptures of all time is in Philippians. And um, I'm actually going to be teaching on this in an upcoming um, seminar for some of our graduates. Um, it's in Philippians chapter three. And I want to go here in the Amplified Cla Classic version uh, because the Apostle Paul was absolutely obsessed with this message he, his epistles are full of this revelation. When you get the lens of the gospel and you begin to read it, uh, here it is in Philippians chapter three, he says this in verse 10, he says, for my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing, understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I might in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection so that I may share in his sufferings. He means to be co-crucified and to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope that if I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead while even in the body. And if you read this slow and you take some time, what the Apostle Paul is saying that my purpose is to know intimately, to experience Jesus and the wonders of his person and to know the power of his resurrection and to be so co-crucified with Jesus, to experience co-crucifixion to such a degree with Jesus that I can also experience co-resurrection with him while I'm still in my body. And if you read above that, it's the whole, the whole chapter is about how Paul had all of these reasons to boast. He was a, you know, a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, born into the right tribe and all, all of these like human accomplishments, religious accomplishments, but he counts them all as nothing. He basically says that identity, which was separate from Christ is dumb. It is meaningless. It means nothing next to the excellency of knowing Jesus. And so this obsession with the gospel, this obsession with union with Jesus, this, accept, this, this obsession with co-crucifixion and co-burial and co-resurrection and co-ascension should be our obsession. We have got to exemplify this church. We've got to come to a place where there is a, a church that is embodying the gospel, that is experiencing the gospel, that is, is, is rising up in the reality of what Jesus has done for each of us individually, because when we recognize this, 
for ourselves, we begin to recognize it for other people. And there is nothing left to do but love. There is nothing left to do but just rejoice and celebrate what Jesus has done. It shifts your emotional home. It, it, it shifts your your frequency, your vibration, you begin to enter into the frequency and the vibration of heaven because you are one with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you have access, you have access to all that heaven contains because the kingdom of God is your reality because the kingdom is within you because the King is within you. So religion is the antithesis of this. This is, this is, it's preaching this sin-conscious, sin-focused gospel where we are constantly in some kind of human effort to be reconciled with God, to, to please God, to commune with God, you know, to get anointed, to get blessed, rather than just sitting down, sitting down in Christ, resting, entering into rest, into Jesus and enjoying the fruits of Jesus's labor enjoying what has been given to us as an inheritance. You cannot earn for an inheritance. You cannot work for an inheritance. You can't work for righteousness. You can't work for holiness. You can't work for financial blessings and healing and all of the benefits that come with being one with Jesus. This is a gift. This is a gift. This is your identity and it is finished. It is finished. What's finished? All of it's finished. All of it is finished. He died once for all. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered death. And you and I are alive forevermore right now. We might, you know, our physical bodies, we might have to shed these, these physical suits, but we, we are alive. We are alive in Christ and we have a new life. This life that we now live is Christ in us. It is no longer you that lives. It's no longer me that lives. It is a beautiful union of you and me and Jesus in this beautiful union, in this beautiful oneness. And so that, beloved, is what it means to detox from religion. It means to detox from the idea of a you that exists apart from Christ. It means to detox from human effort to become something you already are. It's a futile effort that frustrates the grace of God when we try to do something that Jesus has already done for us. It is a beautiful life in the kingdom. It is a restful, peaceful life in the kingdom. It is a life where the father in us is working and we are co-laborers with him seeing what the father is doing and simply allowing him to produce his fruit through us as we abide in our union with Jesus. You know, living out of our true identity is, is our work. <laughs> when I say work, I mean, that is, that, is the, that is the manifestation of the sons of God that all of creation is moaning for. And it is your time. It's your time to rise in the fullness of your union with Jesus. It is your time to to recognize that you've been recreated, that you are a new creation, that there's never been a, 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 a masterpiece like you 
that has ever existed, that you and Jesus, this beautiful union, you are a member of his body, a unique, specific, strategic member of his body. You are, you are needed on this planet. You, you are a part of releasing the fullness of the inheritance of Jesus Christ, the glory that is inside the saints, and the knowledge of the glory will cover the sea as you wake up, as I wake up to the reality of our union with Jesus, to the reality of what, the, what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And it is your time. You're alive right now for a reason, for a purpose. And, and a part of that is so that you can exemplify what it means to be a son, what it means to be a child, what it means to be the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, because you live in union with him. So I've not been checking comments um, because it's hard to do this when I'm on here live and then somehow look at comments on my phone or because I don't have it on my screen here. But, you know, this is so important that you, you know, get your head around it. You know, if you aren't listening to my podcast, definitely go listen to it because this message is infused throughout all of my podcasts. Listen to this again. Look up these scriptures. Meditate on these scriptures. Find yourself some really good um, Trinitarian theology <laughs> materials that basically, when I say that, 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 that Trinitarian theology majors on what Jesus accomplished on the cross. I mean, the finished works of Jesus is understanding the gospel from what Jesus finished is so important, but you know, there can, you can, you can believe that Jesus, you know, became the curse, became sin, but still not enter into union and oneness. So once you get this, I'll tell you, it's going to, I'll warn you, it's going to, it ruins you for a lot of normal Christian things uh, because you just see it everywhere. You see separation everywhere and you just, you know, I kind of, consider myself kind of like the union police, right? Where I'm just constantly unionizing everything. It's like you, you, you learn to spit out the bones when you read something and you just can begin to unionize because there's truth, there's, there's pieces to glean from, from things, but it's just not built on the right foundation. So beloved, let me pray for you guys and we'll kind of wrap it for today. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every single person that's listening to this Facebook live today. I thank you for every person that's going to listen to it, possibly on a podcast or any other way that they're going to get this message. And I thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness within their spirit that this is the truth. And I thank you, Father, that there is a uh, massive detox that is happening in their lives. I thank you that they can no longer look in the mirror and see themselves apart from Christ. I thank you that they can no longer read scripture and read it through a lens of uh, a religious lens of separation from you. I thank you that you're coming after every single paradigm and every single theological doctrine and every single concept that perpetuates the idea and the illusion of separation from Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you that this is becoming uh, a default way of seeing, a default way of thinking, a default way of being, that they are learning and, and, and renewing their minds, even at a subconscious level and integrating with Jesus, Father, so that they can begin to live and move and have their being in their reality inside of Jesus, inside of you, Father, that their, their, their true identity is their way of being, that they have, they have become a, a, a manifestation of what it means to be a son who lives in the son. 
And so I just come after every root of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, I just, I just curse that stuff at the root. And I thank you, Father, that the illusion of separation has been chopped down. It has been exposed. It has been uprooted. And that all that is left is experiential union. It's just an experience of your love. It's experience of your acceptance. It's an experience of righteousness, consciousness. It's an experience of the fruit of the spirit. It's an experience, God, of, of bliss and joy and revelation of what is going on in heaven and what actually is happening in the heavenly realms and the the ministry of angels and the expansion of your kingdom, God. There is a revelation that's hitting us, Lord. It's like light exploding in our minds. It's like the light that hit the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and it is blinding us to separation. It's blinding us to the illusion of separation and it is causing us to sit down in Jesus to rest, to put on Christ and not take him off, to hide inside of Jesus. And so that the only way that we can be seen is if, if someone sees Jesus. Thank you that the father in us is now working. He's now producing the fruit and that we are simply enjoying, enjoying your presence, unbroken fellowship, hearing your voice, all of the things that come as we completely detox from religion. We have a new life. We have a new mind. We have a new spirit. And we are totally enjoying it, God. We're enjoying resurrected, resurrected life. We're enjoying eternal life. We are alive right now in Christ. And we're enjoying what it means to have a Zoe life, abundant life. We have been given all things and we're enjoying our inheritance. We're spending our inheritance, God, and we're blessing. We're blessing others through that inheritance. And we're, we're in the ministry of reconciliation, announcing the, the end of religion, announcing the end of separation from God. And we are expanding God. We're just expanding uh, your territory uh, so that what you have won is actually manifesting as one. (laughs) We are totally manifesting heaven on earth. And so I just bless you guys. Receive that prayer. Get into your Bibles and into the scriptures yourself Get a mirror translation, you know, and begin to really dig into these these chapters and these verses that the Apostle Paul is announcing the death of religion and the death of separation from from God. And I bless you. I love you. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy that you're even getting to hear this message because you're here by divine appointment. It's your time to rise in the fullness of your union. It's your time to wake up to the reality of Christ in you. And it's your time to release, release the fullness of who Jesus has recreated you in Christ to be. So God loves us immeasurably. I love you with the love of the Lord. Talk to you later. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. 
Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.